Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. It's two wins in a row for the Brisbane Roar as they handed Perth Glory their first loss of the season. It moved them into the top six with their best performance of the year so far. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review for another week. James Coglin here to host again from the Switch 1197 Studios, and I'm joined by football pundits Scott Owen and Adam Pace. Guys, have the Roar gotten their big loss to the Jets out of their system, judging by Sunday's performance? I'd say so, yeah. It was a very good performance on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, and Adam? It's uh, looking pretty good all of a sudden. Uh, two, two straight wins and in the top six. Who would have thought? I know. See, I have to admit, you know, I should start off with an apology. I'm usually right with these things. I picked a draw and the Raw wound up winning, so... Did anyone pick a win last week or not? I don't think so. No, I went lost. We've got to check (laughs) this up. Yeah, I think one of these weeks in between the shows, we might have to start off uh, going back and tallying all the picks and stuff and see how we're going. I know I'm on zero, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I was meant to be the positive one. You were. (laughs) Anyway... We're a part of the Outside 90 Fan Network, presented in conjunction with the Daily Football Show. Let's get started with the recap of the game. Yeah, so, in the sole Sunday game of Week 4, the Raw emerged victorious 2-1 over a Perth glory side that came into Suncorp Stadium looking to enhance their title credentials. Jamie McLaren scored his first goal of the season in the 31st minute, thanks to a wonderful cross from Corey Brown. The glory fought back in the second half and levelled, thanks to a brilliant solo goal from Naboja Marinkovic. However, 15 minutes remaining, substitute Brandon Borello came on and scored the winning goal with a fine solo effort of his own to beat Liam Reddy to ensure that the Raw moved to seven points and into the finals places. So, overall thoughts on the game. I thought it was a really encouraging win for them. Great to see them come up against what is a very good Perth side and come away with a win. Adam, what did you take from it? As I said last week in the in the run up to the game, the, the performance was always going to be the key more than the result. But getting, getting three points is obviously a great result. But uh, to see the raw the raw side, I think the Suncorp effect, I think is a real thing now. I think we are night and day a better team on our own patch. And it just showed against a, a Perth Glory team that were sort of tipped as be very, very good. And they and they even, and to sort of push them back, you know, when they were on the, on the sort of counter was, I thought it was a very good effort from the raw. Yeah, it's an addition to the Suncorp effect. It's a continuation from the second half against the Mariners. They've been gradually improving the last three halves they've played. So I think, I think it was a very good performance on Sunday. It's been a, it's in the middle of a tough stretch for the Raw, two tough home games. So to get three points in the first game of that and play so well, it's encouraging. And I think for me, what really stood out was the fact that Perth decided to sit back, play a lot of men behind the ball, and try and get the Raw on the counter. And the Raw just wouldn't let them out. Like, yeah, for I think the, most the Raw really set up to play that way as well. They always try and dominate at home. I don't think they let Perth into the game for the first half now, really. I think it was very, very, very encouraging signs. I know, because I just remember like every five minutes or so, I'd just look and see Perth having you know nine, ten men behind the ball, <laughs> which, look, for an away game against an attacking side is actually a pretty smart strategy. It might not be very popular with the football purists, but... At the end of the day, you're playing to win. And Perth have done very well with that strategy. And when they were near the top of the table two years ago before their salary cap stuff, that's kind of the way they set up away from home. Mm, that's it. And I've got to be honest, like, I thought uh, top to bottom, it was a very good performance. It wasn't perfect. There were still 
a few too many missed passes around, but yeah, I thought it was encouraging overall. Yeah, I think as well uh, with Perth, you know, maybe maybe not having Kenny Lowe on the on sideline may have been a factor. But look, we've got, we've got credit our boys. They were they were very good in a lot of places, and um, like I said it showed with the three points. Now, this is I feel one of the most important questions to come out of Sunday's game. They did show Kenny Lowe on the big screen a few times. Was he wearing an orange jumper? I think it was an orange beanie hat thing, wasn't it? Some sort of hat or something he was wearing. I could have sworn he was wearing some shade of orange. I am a little bit colorblind, though, so I do stand to be correct. He was on. in the box next to the Fox commentary, though. We know that much. I'm, I'm surprised his um, language didn't carry over onto the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Soundproof glass, James. That's right. So, individually, though, like we were saying there's a great response from McLaren, Borello, and Brown. But, you know, Mackay, Brown, Broich, they're best on the pitch. Like, who was your standout performer, Adam? Ah, if I had to sort of choose one, you know, I think uh, he's been much maligned. I thought Corey Brown was very, very good uh, on the left-hand side. You know, he he sort of, it was one of his better games, I think, you know, in, in his sort of, sort of, in the last sort of, you know, couple of years anyway, you know, and sort of, again, it's him and Jack Hinger. If, if those two boys on the, on the sort of the, the fullback roles, if they're pushing forward, they're, you know, defending well, the Raw are a much better team for it. It's when, those, when one or both of those guys sort of start to sort of flounder a little bit, that's where we get exposed. So to see, to see Corey Brown sort of you know, have a good game, that's a very positive sign going forward, especially in the left-back position, which is, you know, it's hard to find, you know, quality performances. And I thought, you know, probably the highlight of his game was that cross for McLaren's mm. first goal. It was a perfect ball. It was. I mean, the fullbacks are massively important for the way the Raw play. And with Brown, the, the attacking play has never been in question with him. It's the defensive side. And I think... I think on Sunday his defending was better. I don't think it's fully there yet, but it's getting better. I mean, my my stand-up performance has to be... I thought Tommy Hill was fantastic. I thought he was influential in his movement. I thought he created so many chances in the game. I think you'd have to give him man of the match for me. Yeah, well, uh, that's a funny thing. Like With five minutes to go, I was looking around thinking, you know, they've got to announce a man of the match, but there hasn't really been one player that's <laughs> just jumped right out and gone, this is my game. It was a real good, solid team performance, really, wasn't it? Yeah. That's the best way to describe it. Well, Fox gave Matt Mackay the, the, the Tobin points. So. Luke Devere at the yeah. ground, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Luke Devere in the ground with the, uh, I don't know what they're calling it at the moment. We'll just call it the generic Brisbane Raw man of the match. Yep, we'll <laughs> go with that. <laughs> but uh, Tommy Orr's actually been in the news a little bit lately. He made the initial 30-man squad for the trip to Thailand. But uh, this morning, there was a little bit of bad news for him. He didn't quite make the cut. No, he didn't make the cut, but somebody else did, James. That's right. It was Jamie McLaren called in for an injured Tim Cahill. Yes. Was it injured or old? I'm not quite sure. Oh, rested no, the word something. was rested, but uh, yeah. Well, no offence to Thailand football, but if you are going to rest Tim Cahill for an away trip, I suppose Thailand is... He's been a bit part player in this campaign anyway, really. I mean, Tommy Urich started the last couple of games. Apu Giano's been involved, so maybe it could be just trying to find other options. And uh, Gianu also out of that squad. So do you feel like McLaren might wind up getting a few He's got a good chance. Minutes? I didn't know Gianu was out. So I think that's a good chance he's McLaren would be in then. I, mean, I read that quite quickly today on my yeah. lunch breaks. <laughs> yeah. I'll believe you. I haven't <laughs> seen the full squad. I saw McLaren was in. So, but if it's, it's, on the if internet, it's just Jurich it and McLaren, then it's got a good chance of playing. Yeah, that's it. I, think, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jurich start. But with the way McLaren plays, they might even try and opt for a front two, which they have done in the they past. They have done that, yes. But uh, I'm sure we can talk more about the Socceroos we'll get to that. coming up. But, yeah, McLaren on, sun- on Sunday he actually broke his duck for the season. And, you know, he was getting involved again. 
I thought he would have added a second, but really we can't nitpick what was a pretty good performance from him. He's still getting in the right positions to score goals and eventually he'll, he'll continue to score goals. It's good to see him get one though for his confidence. Yeah, that's it. Now, we'll keep talking about the attacking players. Thomas Broich, was this his best performance in a long time? I thought it was. I thought, uh, you know, like I said, we, we, have to, we have to take into account that, you know, he's a year older, you know, he may be sort of, you know, starting to go over the hill, you know, as they say, but uh, look, I thought it was a very good performance. I think if that's, if that's, if we can get that out of him for a lot of the rest of the season, we'll, we'll be in a good shape. I think if he can do that for, say, 18, 19 of the rounds plus finals, I'm, I would be more than happy with that. And, you know, as we've said in other weeks, he's not expecting to play every minute of every game anymore, which at thir- in his mid-30s or whatever he is, he's, I think that's going to be a real big asset to have. Yeah, we might not see him this weekend, but I thought when he moves central and Borello was on the right and Tommy was on the left, I thought that was the best attacking combination we've seen so far this season. Mm, well, Brandon Borello did come on and uh, I think it was for Brett Holman? Yeah, for Brett Holman. That's right. I'll, I was a bit out of it on Sunday, never mind me. <laughs> uh, late cameo, winning goal. Is he the new Enrique? We'll find out soon, I think. We'll find out, but it was very good. He came off the bench again. He's been dropped a couple of times now and he's responded well each time, which is an encouraging sign for a young player. And I think that's an impressive show of maturity for a guy to get dropped and then just say, all right, well, I'm just going to come in and score a goal. You probably should have had a second, but oh, uh, look, we'll, look we'll, uh, we'll forgive him for that. You're allowed one. He's so. lucky he scored. Yeah, we'll just uh, <laughs> yeah. ignore that one. But, but uh, I thought at the back, just one last thing I want to talk about with the defensive side. I don't really remember Perth having a shot on target beyond their goal. Did Michael Theo have a whole lot of saves to make? There's a couple of set pieces, but other than that, I didn't see too much either. I thought we were in control of the vast majority of the game. I think as well, I think uh, with Perth, I think that's that's going to be their bread and butter is the set pieces. Mm. Like the, the Marinkovic goal was, that was just something that shot out of the blue and that's just that's just his brilliance. You know, you expect that. But other than that, um, Glory sort of, yeah, I think they rely on set pieces. They rely on their height in the middle. And other than that, I think that may be, unless they can change something up, I think the team's starting to wake up to that blueprint. Yeah, that's it. And if you can cut out the counter-attack, I, like the, it was a very nice shot for their goal, but it was a little bit of a scramble hit and hope but again it was perfectly placed so now the crowd on sunday 13,248 how do you think that goes for a total stadium attendance oh, it's about average for perth actually i think if you look at the average crowds against perth glory it's about average i thought it was a good crowd there were a lot more families there on sunday i think people took advantage of the opportunity to get on the field on sunday so i thought the crowd was pretty good i actually did see a fair few people saying oh you know i'm going to take my kids to their first rural games you know first sunday of the new season and look, more families, the better, because really, if you want to have... It's a good time to... slot for families, Sunday, 4pm, and it's not too hot this time of year either. I did feel for the people having to sit in the Eastern oh, Grandstand. That's a rookie mistake, buying in the Eastern Stand. No, I, think, I think as well, that's where, you know, because there was reports that, you know, the the, uh, the PAX number, which is the sort of the benchmark on what the crowd may be, was well below uh, what was actually reported. So I think a lot of that was the stadium members. So that, yeah. in, like I said, I've, I've sat in that Eastern Grandstand before on a Sunday afternoon, and it is not a place you want to be. So I, I was there for the first grand final against the Mariners and cooked for the first half, got drenched in the second half, <laughs> yeah, and then I was sweating that. bullets for most of extra time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's, like, it's not the best place to be sitting, four o'clock on a Sunday. You know, I know it's a five o'clock, Sydney and Melbourne time kickoff, but yeah, four o'clock in Brisbane not really all that great. And you saw in the second half that lower block was in shape, and that might make for a better TV picture if you actually have that filled up a little bit more. So I don't know, maybe if they move it to a five o'clock local time kickoff, then they've got to push shootout back. You yeah. can't have it at seven if you kick off it. 
there. Yeah, doesn't true. work. Shootout at seven, shootout at eight. You never mm. know. Eight pace shootout. <laughs> <laughs> but um, something you mentioned before, Adam, was talking about the home record of the Raw under John Aloisi. I, it's a really impressive thing. Have you got the numbers with you? Yeah. Um, since John Aloisi took over, 16, 16 games, 13, 13 wins, two draws, and one defeat. And that one defeat was against Adelaide last year. So I was at 4-1. That, that was, was that yeah. game that was shocking. I was glad I didn't Enrique that. chucked a bit of a simulation dive in there for our goal. I remember that now. Yeah, he got... I will say in his defence, he got clipped, but that wouldn't have knocked over a toddler. It was by his own feet, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> it didn't say who clipped him. <laughs> And that was also as well to credit the uh, eventual champions. That was in the middle of their, of their huge run. So, mm. From memory, Bruce Judy scored a phenomenal goal. Mm, he did. He That's actually has a habit of scoring some of them. I miss watching him play. It is Fortress Suncorp, though, to Adam's point at the moment under yeah. John Aloisi. Yeah, it is. and Which is funny because for, what, the first five years, they couldn't win at home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so through a few of those. More yeah. than enough. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll be interested to see what happens with the crowds this year, especially for those Sunday afternoon games, because it was a really nice day on Sunday, and all I was thinking was, man, I lo- would have loved to have gone for an afternoon swim, but, you know. I'll be interested to see the crowd on Friday night, actually, with the obviously the Tim Cahill factor, potentially. Yes, the Tim Cahill team in Melbourne, Tim yeah. Cahill, sponsored by Tim Cahill, presented yeah. by Tim Cahill, Absolutely. in association with Tim Cahill. Well, we'll it should do a big crowd up here, at least. I'll be interested to see what sort of crowd... Turns mm. up on a Friday night to see his team play. Well, we'll get on to that in our final segment where we'll we go. preview the game. We're going to take a little bit of a break now and come back with our news and reviews segment. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to segment two for episode five of the Brisbane Football Review. We're here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. Guys, how have we made it to episode five? I I know, you're you're no running the show. I know, that's why I'm asking. How <laughs> yeah. have we made it to episode five? <laughs> I'm surprised they let me push the buttons. Anyway, so segment two, news and reviews. We're going to talk about some of the things going on with the Raw and around the rest of the A-League. We're going to start off with the W-League and National Youth League. So we've got a further scheduling update. The Women's League, they've got two games at Suncorp, one game at CTM. Corporate tra- Spencer Roma- Park. The Spencer Park, there yeah. we go. Brisbane City. Yep, three games at AJ Kelly Field at Redcliffe. Dunmore Park not available due to pitch suitability. Yeah, I was went past it on the train on Sunday on the way in. It's got potholes and sand. It's not up to standard. It hasn't Doesn't recovered Suncorp? from the season. The, Come on, say, Suncorp's Cup not, during the Suncorp. Hey, <laughs> Suncorp's in great condition at the moment. Thank you. That it. Yeah. That it is. That, that information as well comes from a fairly high source in the Raw. I won't mention any names, but. Well, I did Rory, describe. the mascot? Yeah, no, Rosie. It was Rosie. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. I don't divulge my sources. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like what Rosie's done to Rory, the mascot. He's totally changed his physique. And <laughs> anyway, back to your yeah. point. Dunmore Park is kind of not recovered from the, the BPL <laughs> Capital Football League season. <laughs> yeah, so I'm guessing they'd have to organise uh, yeah, pitch maintenance and whatnot. So National Youth, National Youth League 
They've got one game at Corporate Travel, Travel Management Stadium. I can't talk today. Brisbane City, Spencer Park. Yep. Three games at AJ Kelly Field out at Redcliffe. Never confirmed final venue. Although uh, speculation is Cleveland Showgrounds. That's just what we're hearing. That's Adam's notes. It's his week to put the, <laughs> well, it's his week to put well, the rundown well, together. I'll throw you under the bus. Oh, thanks, that. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I see the tyre tracks up your back there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really dug the knife in. Yeah, but look, I think that was a, that was a logical place. It would have been Cleveland. Um, but me being a North Sider, that, that I am happy about. That's not a Cleveland. Do you mean like the Youth League Grand Final? The, you, is that what you mean? Or what? The final home the game, final. is it? What do you mean? When you said... The final home game, I think that's what he's talking about because yeah. they've got five home games, haven't they? Four. No, I thought it was four. It's only four. Yeah, so one plus three. Yeah. What's going on with your notes here? <laughs> yeah, what's going on, Adam? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're throwing him under the bus. Come on. <laughs> I'm a host. I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they've moved most of the games out towards yeah. Redcliffe, which is a bit different than last time out at Cleveland. Are they, is that going to affect the crowds in any way, shape or form? I look forward to the two-hour journey to get there, James. Uh. But I oh, know I... It's probably good for people on the north side, but if you're living on the south side, it is a fair trip to get out there. I can, I can tell you, I, I do live on the north side, and it's still actually uh, a good half an hour drive across to um, to keep a ring. So, yeah, I can, I can understand why people are pretty furious about it. I will say, apparently the field at, at Peninsula Power, AJ Kelly, is one of the best in Brisbane currently. It's, one, it's supposed to be one of the best groups recovered from the BPL season, so... Well, I suppose one thing also with the youth league, they're trying to get them to play in the same way, and the women's league as well, trying to get them to play the same way as the men's team has been. So maybe giving them the best available surface might be the best way to do it. Hopefully we get a lot of members out to those games. Though. Hopefully. Although the, a couple of the games are pretty manageable to get to mid-afternoon. It's just the 10.30am kickoffs in the youth league. Those two games could be, could be very difficult for people to get to. Saturday or Sunday? I think it's Saturday, and I think one of them is after a Friday night A-league game. So that could be extra fun. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's going to be interesting to see. But do you feel like the, uh, these games would probably draw a bigger crowd if they had a slightly more central location like the Brisbane City Stadium? They actually have when they were at Perry Park a couple of years ago. The Raw Youth side got some pretty good crowds to those games. So, I mean, I'm, I understand why they're taking them to Redcliffe given the, um, the field situation and all the rest of it. Ideally, though, I think if they could find a central location, if it's Spencer Park, Goodwin Park at Yoronga, they've played that in the past as well. Somewhere like that would be a better location. It's somewhere where everyone can drive to and it's not a massive trip for people. Especially with the, with the uh, W League as well, with the sort of promotion, the sort of momentum that has mm. at the moment. It's sort of a bit of a shame that, you know, that, they, that you know, Dunmore Park at Tawong was a very central location, mm. would have got a decent crowd. But obviously, you know, if the, you know, you've got to produce a quality pitch. You know, otherwise, it's, it's, there's no point having a central location if the pitch is not suitable. You know what would be really good is if the Raw had their own facility in the in central area. Well, of they're Brisbane. getting there. Logan, well, it's not central, but they're getting a facility. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite Brisbane, but they're getting there. How long have you lived in Brisbane and you just called Logan a central? Yeah. Well, come on, it's not that far. It's no further away than Redcliffe is, anyway. True. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so, weekend recap: Melbourne City played Adelaide. Newcastle had Sydney West. In- Sydney Wanderers and the Mariners, and the victory played Wellington. So let's start with the Friday night game. Melbourne City 2, Adelaide 1. Tim Cahill was uh, rested. He was, but can I ask you a question before we start? Oh dear. What the heck was Neil Kilkenny doing? Uh, a strong gust of wind. He, <laughs> maybe he saw a seagull and had a uh, you know, pack of chips in his pants. That's, a, that's the only logical conclusion you could draw, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, Neil, that was... Oh. That's one of those ones you just look at as a football fan and think, that's why people make fun of our yep. sport. Yep. 
Like, it's just the stupid stuff like that. Look, I we guess... Have, oh, sorry. Go, I was going to say, I guess it's heartening that, you know, that a lot of people have actually come out and said how, how just ridiculous that was. Mm. Because that, you're dead right, you know, that that is what, you know, NRL, you know, AFL, that's what they point at soccer and say, you know, mm. you're a bunch of... You know, you bunch of pansies, I guess. You can, Idiots. Yeah. And, yeah, and the funny thing is, you know, you watch one of those games, you'll see just as many people flopping, but that's just part of the game. <laughs> oh, that was just excessive, that. Yeah. That oh, yeah, top, you yeah. don't get that much, but you do get the guys thrusting on the ground going, oh, look, he's holding me down, it's a penalty. Anyway, back to the game. <laughs> Melbourne City <laughs> yeah. did play well. They did play very well in the game, Melbourne City. Yeah. So, Adelaide, are they unlucky or are they just struggling? Both for me. Injuries are not helping their cause in the attacking third, but... And they did have a depleted squad as well. Mm. Yeah, no, they, like I said, I everyone's hoping that, you know, come round eight, they're going to turn a corner. But yeah, I think um, with injuries, I think it's a lot more uh, deeper than that. But I think once Kruska gets back, Syria gets back, you know, I think they'll be a better team. But at the moment, I think they're, I think they're uh, treading water the best they can. Yeah, well, I suppose it could just, yeah, well, like you said, treading water, just hoping that once things get back and on track. And for Adelaide, they're gonna knock, they might not be able to do what they did last year with that magical run because they're going to have Champions League this year as well. So they're going to have extra games in that time where they made up huge ground. So it's not quite the same for them. But they I feel like, need to pick up points now. But I do feel like their team is good enough to, you know, they pr- might not be able to win the Premier's plate, but I do feel like they'll be in contention come round 25, 26, they should 27. should be in the finals if they're healthy, yeah. Well, they're good enough to be, so we'll see what happens. Newcastle versus Sydney. It was 2-0 to the Sky Blues. Four from four, are they the real deal? I think they are. I think I think they are. Like they actually sort of, you know, they're they're able to, you know, drop David Carney and brought Alex Broskin. He's he's continues his magical run of goals against uh, the Jets. And yeah, they they look a really, really strong team. I think their first test is gonna come against, you know, Melbourne Victory in the Big Blue this weekend, but like I said, there's no, there's absolutely no reason why they can't make it, you know, five from five from there. Like I said, they, they're in the box seat at the moment. I think it's surprising just how well they've actually recruited this season because they seem to be very hit and miss with their team. I suppose every team can be hit and miss, but the ones they hit really do seem to work out. Like you remember Holosco, Babo. All those guys really seem to be pitching in when they're needed to. You both hit on the points I was going to make. Melbourne victory is a big test for them this weekend. It's the first they've had big tests as well. What the derby was a big one, but you're right, James. The recruitment, the way their squad is. You look at their bench at the moment. It's a very strong squad. The way they have it set up at the moment. So I think Sydney should be set up now for a very good season from here. And you know what really does stand out to me? Michael Zullo, former Brisbane boy. Yes. It's just so weird seeing him in blue. I think orange is more his colour. I think so. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to West Sydney Wanderers against Central Coast Mariners. Another capitulation from the Wanderers? Is that something for them to be concerned about? I think it could be, the way they've capitulated at home the last couple of games. They don't seem to be running at 90 minutes. That's, a, that's a kind of a big problem, that the way they're going at the moment, I think. Um, I wouldn't be too happy. That's two pretty comfortable home games they've had. Well, supposedly comfortable home games, Central Coast and Newcastle. And they got two points out of six. You would, you would, I agree with you, Scotty, on that. That you would thought that you know, Wanderers supporters would be thinking, you know, they they would have seen that in the calendar. Oh, there's almost automatic six points, and in both games they've been in control, and they're they're blown it in the last, you know, I guess in the second half or in the case of Newcastle, now in the last ten minutes. And, and in both games, they nearly they could have arguably lost both. I mean, mm. there was a clear penalty on Saturday against the Mariners, which was turned down. And if the Newcastle game went five minutes longer, they probably would have lost that as well. Which is strange, because from a Tony Popovich squad, you expect them to have a lot more discipline, wouldn't you? You would, but... 
I, th- I think it's trouble. I think there's a bit of there's a bit of turmoil in the background there that you know I'm I guess only you know Wanderers fans and you know that could answer. But I, th- I think there's a few sort of you know rumblings at the moment, um, and you know, they don't they don't want probably don't want to admit to it. But I think there's uh, trouble. I think it's coming onto the field almost. Could be onto something there too. Was it Bullet was left out, wasn't he, on Saturday night? Yep. Last the man minute. with the most yeah. decorated face in the A League. <laughs> <laughs> you had to go there, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but just on just on the ball thing, the um in the post game interview, like the Tony Popovich response when he when he was asked point blank, I think what was by Adam Peacock that about you know what's going on with Bullet and the response that uh, Tony Popovich gave it what doesn't give much confidence for Bullet's future at the club, like uh, to say oh it's rotational, but I think there's a lot more to that to be honest. And they brought him back, presumably to be some sort of impact player, but he doesn't really seem to be able He's to He's not having much of an impact so far, is he? Mm. And that pushes Brenton Santalab into a starting role, which I think we've seen he's one of the best substitutes in A-League history. And maybe that is something that they're kind of lacking at the moment, is that impact striker off the bench to come in and steal the points. I kind of had it last year too. They were kind of struggling for a striker as well. With, um, I forget the guy's name, the big Italian, oh, Pierre he, he was meant to be the big starter and up front and struggled there as well. So they can overcome problems like this. But I, I put it to you guys that you now I wonder if this is you now a lesson learned for Tony Popovich you now about you now letting the fans per se you now do the recruiting for them because you know look Green Bullets are very popular with the with the RBB and the fans but you now what he you now him going off to Greece you now and coming back it's you know, almost a shell of his former self you now really you now is he as he A League standard almost because you know, he. Uh, from what I've seen so far, I'd say you know, he's barely. Well, one positive for the Wanderers is that Nicola Martinez, the marquee player, he was very good on Saturday for his 60 minutes before he was taken off. Well, maybe there's some hope for them somewhere. <laughs> All right, so the Melbourne Cup Eve game, victory against Wellington, kind of got out of hand in that second half. 6-1 to the victory, and yeah, Wellington were down to 10 men. Yeah, so. they were. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember. This week's just gone by in a blur. I was trying to remember Monday night, Sunday night. Hang on, what's going on? <laughs> so, victory, is this them getting back into form or is it just a case of beating up on a 10-man team? Oh, I think I, I, I think the answer lies in a few days' time. But, you know what? You take a win, you take three points. You know, a 6-1 six, a you know, drubbing, I think that's it's always confidence plus. But, um, yeah, Wellington at the moment, they're um, poor. They're, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but we don't like sitting in the middle. So pick a side, Scott. <laughs> well, I do think that for Melbourne victory, it'll this week going to be a big test when we talked about the big blue. But for Wellington, I think they're in big trouble. They spent a lot of money on Costa Barbaroustas, former Brisbane player, and Guy Finkler. And as, I think they're both marquee players. And at the moment, they're not getting a return on that. So if that continues <coughs> on for much longer, Ernie Merrick's position might come into some serious questioning because at the moment, they're clearly the worst side in the league the way they're going. But I thought, well, I watched most of the first hour of that game and I thought the Phoenix were, in some parts, competitive. It was just once they got down to 10 men and ran out of legs where the victory really took over. They've got some good players in that squad. In addition to the two I mentioned, they've got Bonavazia, Krishna, McGlinchey. They've got plenty of attacking talent. I, don't, I just don't think they're getting enough out of them at the moment. It's almost a case of attack overload with them that, you know, mm. it's one thing to have, you know, look, on paper when we said in the um, in the previews, you know, up to head of the season that they had probably one of the best attacks in the league. The problem the problem is that, you know, if you've got hardly any defence, mm. you know, like no, no Marco Rossi, 
their retained in port, I think, play a big part. And uh, unfortunately, Dylan Fox only lasted 64 minutes before he was shown his second yellow. And uh, look, you can't really argue against it. It was just it was a dumb foul. And then the rest is history, I guess. There was a fair bit of spite in that game as well. So no, it seems to be in that, in that fixture for some reason. It must be good cup eve. Victory. On the positive, <laughs> Wellington, though, Benny Litfin, former Brisbane player, has made his debut for them. So good luck to him. Yeah, well. best, best of luck to Ben Lifton. So we've got a couple of other headlines to touch on very quickly. We have the Socceroos 23-man squad announced. All cut, McLaren added. So it not so we are going to be missing a player in that... Uh, Adelaide away. That's it, November 11th, Adelaide away. But it's McLaren. So how would you go about replacing him in that game? Uh, we'll, find, we'll see who's available, but I think it might be Brandon Barella up front. I don't think he'll throw Katabian in. I don't think D'Agostino will play in that game. Maybe one on the bench, but I think... Borello or maybe somebody else playing a false nine type role. Yeah, I was actually gonna say I was actually gonna say I actually think yeah, maybe Dimi Petrados, you know, in that in that sort of just as a temporary position. But yeah, I think false nine might be the way to go. But I think the one thing that we, we agree on is the fact that I don't think it's gonna be um, a young player that's gonna start up front. I think it's gonna be sort of a augmented sort of uh, lineup for that game. But just playing devil's advocate here, the introduction of Katabian in the last couple of games as a substitute for the last few minutes. Do you feel like that might be something sort of preparing him to play extended minutes as the season goes on? Possibly. It could be, but I just think that for this game, Aloysius seems to prefer experience. I think up front he's going to want someone proven goal scorer. I think it'll be Barello or, as Adam said, Petrados. I think if this game was at Suncorp, I think then I'd say, yeah, look, the chances of, you know, of a young player you know, starting, like, like what happened last season, is a possibility. But I think on the road, I think you need that experience. I think you need that you know, sort of thing. And I don't, I don't think, you know, especially in Adelaide, despite having a good record there, I think it'd be a case of, you know what, let's try and get a point. And if we nick three, then you beauty. And on the road, we've mentioned the home form's very good. The away form under Lewis has not been so good. I don't think he's going to take too many chances away from home. Fair enough. Now, one last thing. The Yoshi Ag campaign. Oh, no. <laughs> Blame Adam. He put it in. <laughs> well, we had to talk about it. Yeah, so Yoshi announced his uh, decision on which A-League team he was going to follow. So a boy from Sydney, I believe it is, made the totally logical decision of following Melbourne City. And he was there on Friday as well in the crowd next to Tim Cahill. So. Was there actually a wall separating Yoshi and no, Tim Cahill? they each other, weren't they? No, I thought there's actually a part. I think actually Tim Cahill had one box and they parked Yoshi next to him. And there's a, there's a wall I'm so, I swear there was. So I have to go back and look at the vision on that. But uh, I've got a conspiracy theory here. Oh, but, no. I, just <laughs> I love a good conspiracy theory. Go ahead. Oh, don't we all? Yeah. Um, are we so glad it's over? Yes, I am glad it's over. It's been a very effective campaign, though. I think it's really the FFA. It's done well. Oh, look, it's, it's come through a lot of ridicule. If you've seen some of the memes that, you know, <laughs> in the lead-up, like, was, you know, absolutely hilarious. Some of them, a few were a bit off target. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I guess, in this, in this day and age, you know, if people are talking about it, you know, and people are, you know, mimicking it and whatnot, you know, that's not a bad thing. So I think the, the overall, um, the overall sort of campaign has been a good one. I just think they should listen to the people. <laughs> Those memes that I mentioned, though, they did get some good cut through in, the winter finals, that was their grand final week and those memes got some good cut through. So I think FFA would be quietly pleased with the way this campaign's worked for them. And I suppose the one thing to consider is the FFA aren't trying to direct traffic to any one club in particular. They're just thinking, more eyes on the game, doesn't matter where it's coming from, just get more eyes on the game with the upcoming TV deal. To Adam's point though, the will of the people, there was a poll on the A-League website voting for which team you should support. Everyone voted for the Mariners. 
Yeah, but it's sporting the Mariners. Come on, the will of the people. But is that just like a? I was going to say, is that like a Premier League poll where Arsenal always wins it? It's the only thing. What's the only thing? You beat me to it. Hey, I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm allowed to make those jokes. But anyway, so that's going to do it for segment two. I think we had a bit of fun with that. Yeah, it was good. We'll be back with segment three, talking about the Raw's W League campaign. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. All right, welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review, episode five. We're here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside90 Fan Network. Now, we are going to talk about the W League in a second, but just in between recording segments we've had a bit of breaking news come out of melbourne another statement from the former north terrace supporters group where they're talking about the disbansion of the active support there they've released a very long statement which we will not put you through reading in this podcast because i think that, that would put us up to about an hour and a half and nobody really wants to listen to me talk for that long so just two quick things that really uh stood out for me is some of the requests of people active support doing active support in the north end they're saying they don't want them to refer to the North End as the North Terrace. Ch- they don't want them to chant or sing the name North Terrace in any songs. No longer wear North Terrace merchandise. And do not attempt to re- resurrect the North Terrace by name or tradition. Is this a little bit going a little bit too far for you? I think it's over the top. I, uh, look, um, I'm actually quite speechless about, about this. I just said, I, I really don't know what they're trying to get at. You know, at the end of the day, you know, are the Northern Terrace trying to be bigger than the club and whatnot? And... I, Look, at the end of the day, this this area may only be focused, you know, may grab attention for a very narrow part of the football community. But uh, seriously, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I yeah, I really don't have much to say on other than now. Yeah, I just think I just can't believe it's happening like that. I mean, the, I understand some of their points about over policing and stuff, but uh, the point Adam's been making for the last couple of weeks, when you have so many flares in there, there's going to be some sort of repercussion for that. And they're going to keep getting stronger and stronger until you stop. And look, I just think we should talk about W League, to be honest, because... Yep. Well, the only thing I will say on that is maybe they can retire the most overplayed song in all of sports, Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. I am sick of hearing that at every single sporting event. I am over it. Please stop playing it. <laughs> and there's still going to be active support at Melbourne Victory Games because there's still some people in the north, northern end, or if you want to call it these days, plus they've got the South Terrace. So they'll still have active support in Melbourne. Oh, good. So the PA announcer will still have someone to tell when to sing and dance to. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to something far more important, the W League. Far more interesting. That's right. So we're going to take a quick look at the 2017-16-17 squad to compete in the competition. Their opening fixture is this Saturday at Corporate Travel Management Stadium, 4pm kickoff. So they announced this, they unveiled the squad, is that the right word I'm thinking yeah, of? Yeah, they unveiled it, but they announced it on Facebook a few weeks earlier. But they had everyone there on Sunday for the whole the club photo. But there was actually one surprising addition. There was, up. I mean, Tamika Butt is back. Announced on Sunday. Wasn't at the ground, but announced as a part of the squad. So, But with all of the drama going on, I feel like she, 
getting her back is going to be a pretty important part of the Raw setup this year. Well, that's brought back all of the players from long-term players. Claire Polkinghorn is the back. Um, Katrina Gorey is back. Emily Gionic is announced back last week and now to make a butt. So the spinal team is returned, which is a very good sign. And I feel like, like, just looking at the names that they've got on the squad, they've got some pretty decent players, a few Matildas and a few players that have performed at the highest level internationally in women's football. So is this a squad that you'd be expecting to compete quite a lot, Adam? I think that if, they, if they can get to where they did last season, maybe even if they can avoid uh, Melbourne City, who are going to be strong again this year, this year, if they can sort of get on the other side of the draw, look, a grand final appearance may be, um, may be sort of an achievable target. And then, you know, as we saw in that semi-final last year, who knows what could happen? You know, let's face it, you know, our, our Brisbane Raw side are the ones that have taken that, that undefeated, you know, champion team right to the limit. It took a penalty shootout to, to, get, to get into the final. So I'm, I think they're, they're a very good shot at it. I might be wrong here, but I think there might be a bit of Melbourne City paranoia with the WL going on at the moment. I mean, they've lost a couple of important players. Might get onto it later, but I don't think they're as strong this year. So I think they are they are beatable. I think the Raw might very well get themselves into into contention for the semi-finals, and then from there, who knows? Now it is not. It, now it isn't just the same squad as last year. We've got a couple of new additions coming in. Who are some of the ones you're expecting to really step out? Might help if I talk into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> it would. So the, the major is Mackenzie Arnold, the goalkeeper. Matilda's goalkeeper is in. We talked about this last week. Nina frosing Pedersen, the Danish experienced defender, is in to bolster the defence. Maddie Evans, the midfielder from Orlando Pride. And Sonny Franco will come in to boost the attack, formerly of Raw last year at Sydney FC. I just wanted you to read Nina frosing Pedersen. I think you said it better than I did anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Yes, as we all know, reading's not my strong suit. But then again, needs talking today. So, uh, yeah, I think Sunny Franco will be interested to see how she goes. Oh, I think it's um, it's a very like for the I guess if you can project the starting lineup and she'd be in. I think it's yeah. a it's a very well balanced um, squad. I'd I'd say. Yes. And I think and assume that you know, injuries don't play a part. I think that that starting eleven. I think it will go will go a long way. And I think uh, Sunny Franco and you know, coming back to back to Queensland. I think um, we'll play a good part in that. And I think and it, experience away from, from uh, the Raw may, may have sort of done wonders. Well, and it is the anyway. strongest squad as well, if you look at it. Mackenzie Arnold's an upgrade over Hayley Kottmeyer as well. I mean, Pedersen will be a good upgrade in defence. I mean, the other losses, I mean, there's not too many. There are a few players who stepped up, like Gabe Marzano, Ruth Blackburn last year as well, but no real big names have left. And they've added very nicely to the squad, so they should be better than what they were last year. Well, I think one thing that jumps out to me is you've got probably more than 11 players who are capable of starting for an extended period of time, which, as we were talking about with the A-League squad, that's what you want to see, is have a bit of depth in there. And while the season isn't as long as... There does bit be more depth this year, so yeah. Well, with, with the A-League, with the, even though the W-League season isn't as long as the A-League season, they've got some pretty annoying kickoff times. Like, the, a lot of their games will be earlier in the day, so it might wear on the players a little bit more, because I can't imagine running around at 2 o'clock in a December afternoon in Brisbane, can you? It's not fun. <laughs> Unless you absolutely have to do it, or or even uh, kick, you know, kick off at you know, one pm, you know, for in the case of the double headers, you know, while one one fact is a godsend for the women to actually play on on national television at you know a major stadium, but you know one one pm kickoff on you know, in a December or January's day Sunday afternoon, that's got to be hard. And having two games at Suncorp again this year for people to go to in double headers, that's good. I mean, there's I think one of them's on TV and one's just a general double header, but that's good. The one disappointing is they still don't have a regular home ground. So they're playing at three different home grounds again this year. You mentioned Spencer Park on Sunday. 
they're playing up at Redcliffe as well at Suncorp. It'd be nice if they could have one regular home ground to play most of their games at and then maybe one or two games at Suncorp to supplement that. Well, the reason I you know, stopped talking for a minute, which I know would have concerned everybody listening, <laughs> I was actually just looking up the W League draw and trying to find when they were playing Melbourne City because that's going to be the big game that I feel like would be well worth the effort to get out to. They're playing Melbourne City on Sunday the 4th of December. Huh, my brother's birthday. Sorry, David. Um, <laughs> <laughs> out at AJ Kelly Field. So hope- oh, no. hopefully a lot of members get out to that. And uh, give What time's it starting, do you know? 4pm. Oh, good. That's a... That's a reasonable time to get up there. And have a nice dinner out by the water or something as something well. Something like oh, that. It's nice, Rickless. We might have to do a Brisbane football review uh, meet up out there or something. <laughs> anyway, so one other change has been the coach. Mel Andretta has come in replacing Belinda Wilson. I, I First, I've heard of Mel Andretta. No offence to her. But do you feel like she might be able to change things up a little bit, bring in something new to keep them focused? It's hard to say. I mean, I don't think any of us know much about Andretta, unfortunately, but I do know that she was a part of the QAS setup, I believe. Might have been the assistant last year, but haven't really seen any of her team's play, so it's hard to gauge what to expect on this, unfortunately. Yeah, I, th- I think with with her, I think it's more of a case of you now sort of a legacy almost. So, so I, I can't really see it. Like, like I said, we haven't seen much yet, so it'll only be you know, a matter of time before it sort of reveals itself. But you know, it still is you know, Belinda Wilson's team to a point. You know, a lot of the recruiting was by her. Like Obviously, at the end of the day, the, the core of that side you know, has carried, carried for many, many years now. So I, I don't think we can expect too much change, maybe. And I, th- I guess the jury is out on whether it was a good move or not for, um, to bring Mel Andretta into, into the coaching role. But even just having a fresh voice for the squad to listen to might just give them some sort of fresh motivation and think, oh, you know, we're doing this differently now. Let's see what difference it brings in. All right, so Melbourne City, they're the defending champions. They had a perfect season last year, something unbelievable, no matter what sport you're in. Oh, that, you were talking about how they're vulnerable this year. Do you feel like the Raw women can challenge them for honours this season? Not just the Raw women. I think the, 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 the traditional pads, if I can spit it out, of Canberra United and Sydney FC, they'll be up there as well with the Raw and Melbourne City. I think that'll be the top four. And I think any one of those four sides on their day will be able to win it. I think Melbourne City, they're missing Lisa Devanna amongst others. So I do think that they are beatable and I, they won't go unbeaten again. They may win the grand final, but they won't be unbeaten. And they'll be well challenged by a few teams, I think. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. They may, be, may not be the juggernaut that they were last year. Like that, that was a side that just you know, showed up and it's almost intimidating seeing the school, the, the uh, team lineups. But um, look, I still think they're a very good team. You know, they, they've still got you know, a number of their, um, their stars back. You, know, you did mention that no Lisa Devanna this year, but you know, just Fishlock's fish back. Um, a, a, a couple of others as well that you know that really drove that that team. So they they they're obviously the clear standout favourites. But you're right. I was looking at some of the squads. Um, Canberra United. They they look like they've built up again. They're they're as you say they're traditionally strong in the women. So and, and Sydney FC also seem to be there always there and about. So I think that's probably the four we're looking at. Um, Adelaide United. They made a couple of interesting signings like um, Monica, who's Brazilian international. Uh, she she's in in the side, and even and you never really know sort of Perth what they can produce. So that's the one I was going to say. Perth might be the outsider to upset that top four, but I do think it'll be Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and Canberra. I got to be honest, I'm excited for this W League season to start. And they actually had a pretty major announcement yesterday. It's going to be broadcast in the US through the ESPN family of networks. It as is well. that's so it's very good. I mean, it's I think it's the second biggest women's league in the world now. I think something like that, isn't it? Which so very good that it's. A, and there's so many players coming from the end of the Women's League in America over to 
the W League in the off season. Yeah, like, good. Yeah, no, because like I said, you know, you take a name like Matty Evans, who you know, I guess hardly anyone outside side you know the the real sort of true you know football fans would know but you know she's almost you know, a known name in in sort of in their, in their competition over there the nasl mm. so so having those sort of players come out you know it's only going to boost our our w league sort of you know standard and i guess reputation you know that's that's got to be a good thing and to adam's point there, there does seem to be a high standard of foreigner in the w league this year as well which should encourage better football as well well, that's certainly something to look forward to. So the W League season kicks off this weekend. Try and get out to some of the games if you can. It's going to be a really entertaining product to follow this year. We're going to come back with segment four and look ahead to the Melbourne City game this weekend. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to the final section of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here to look ahead to Friday night's game between the Raw and Melbourne City at Suncorp Stadium. 6.50pm 6, 6 kickoff. But before we do that, Scott, how can people get in contact with us? Okay, so you can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Brisbane Football Review, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Raw Review. Our podcast is available on both iTunes and and, and, and Audio Boom. You can, obviously, we're on Switch 11.97, and you can contact us on Fridays after the game at the King Wally statue for fan camps, James. That's right. We'll be interviewing people after the game, and... Love to get some some of our listeners' thoughts on Tim Cahill. So just look for me. I'll be the short guy looking very uncomfortable with the microphone. <laughs> but that's probably just because I'll be ready to go to bed. <laughs> but um, yeah, we had good we had good luck with our fan cams the first time we did it after the season opener yeah. against Victory. So I'd love to, you know, get some people down there coming on camera and having a bit of a drunken rant. It's always good. As love po- a good drunken rant. As opposed to the sober rants we do every time <laughs> we record. <laughs> How do you know we're sober? Well, I assume. I- <laughs> I am, but I kind of have to be. I work with kids. <laughs> anyway, some stats between the clubs. Scott? Okay, so they've played 18 times. Brisbane have won seven. City have won eight, and there's been three draws. But at Suncorp, it's six wins to two to Brisbane Raw. And the second one being a draw. It's also the Raw's 150th game at Suncorp it Stadium. Is. So some sort of milestone, I guess. It is. It's a... I wonder if they'll present the stadium with some sort of commemorative plaque. Like well, there's been the players. so many good Probably memories at Suncorp, hasn't there? So. Mm. Oh, look, for me, you can't go past that Mariners grand final. That was unbelievable. There's been so many to count. We'd be here for two hours going through them, I think. Well, we'll just quickly, like, what have you got for your favourite memories? Mariners? I've been writing about this this week, actually, for something on the BFR website, so I'll give it a cheeky plug. But I've kind of, I can't split the three grand finals. I really can't. They're, just, they're all special in their unique way. So outside of them, the semi-final against Victory last year was... Amazing, and then you've got the seven-one and Luke Bratton winning the Premier's that's plate another with that one. thunderbolt. And the, um, the first game back after the floods, as well. There's so many, and you can even go back to the very first game back in 2005. I, I, I agree with you. A lot of those ones. One that actually sticks out to my mind uh, for a long time was a Boxing Day around about 2000. And I know where you're going with this. No, 10? Not, yeah, I think 2010. It was 
It was absolutely teeming down with rain yes. all night. Yes. And you know, the one thing I always remember with that is, you know, in the I guess the height of banter, I think the best banner that's ever been produced by by a support club with the fans <laughs> is the is the uh, banner, Scotty. I think you. I can't claim credit for it, but it was the old RCC or River City crew, and it was a arrow pointed at the beach, calling Queensland shame. That was brilliant. And it was absolutely brilliant, I have to say. Yeah, one, yeah. Of, one of the best. No, I said, but yeah, I, other than that, you know, 7-1 and you know, the three grand finals as well are up there. Like, But, you know, 150 games down at Suncorp, it's, you know, who would have thought? And it, just to clarify, I will give credit to the people who actually made it. I didn't make it. I was just involved in the unveiling of it, but it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to... <laughs> See that I the funny thing I remember about that game is I had to stop it with about ten minutes to go and yeah. remark the lot. Yes, that's right. That was a fun night. That and they didn't even make it to the full time whistle. No, but uh, yeah, that was that was a good game actually. That was I think the last home one there until yeah, but it was the last home game. Before that was the pretty much the last game. Yeah, and then they had to move a couple after. Yeah, it went underwater. So mm. anyway, Friday night. Tim Cahill effect. Let's start off with that because uh, we have to. It's the, yeah. Well, it's a 2016-17 A League season sponsored by Tim Cahill. Yep. So, so far we cross at you. Yeah. So he missed last week's game for management reasons, and by that we mean Tim Cahill management, not John Van Skip management. <laughs> what are we expecting to see from him Friday night, assuming he plays? Well, I was going to say that. You know, if you tied him with the Socceroos announcement, you know, it, it's one thing for him to be rested and not. Uh, be selected for the Socceroos, but does that also cast a d- doubt on whether he um, on whether he plays? You know, on, on Friday night. Look, I, look, to be honest, I hope he does. But you know what? There's, there is that you know that nagging sort of thought, thinking, oh, you know, there's going to be you know hopefully twenty thousand there on on, um, on Friday night, whether we like it or not. A lot of them are going to be there solely for Tim Cahill. I think he'll play. I, do, I mean, there were two games back-to-back pretty close together for Melbourne City with FFA Cup, so I do understand why he didn't play on Friday. I do think he'll play, and I do think there'll be a big crowd there for him because if you think about it, Tim Cahill hasn't played a great deal of football in Brisbane. Obviously, it was yes, the two Asian Cup games in the FFA Cup earlier this year, but before that, there's only a handful of World Cup qualifiers that the, that the Socceroos have played here that Cahill has actually featured in. So there's not been too many opportunities for and people to go and see him. remember the last time he was at uh, Suncorp Stadium as well in the, in the Socceroos? So. Asian Cup. He'll yes. be getting a slightly different reception on Just Friday night. Yeah. Will be. Yeah. Like that, that's one thing that I really am interested to see is what sort of reaction he gets from the crowd. Because I think everyone's going to be going, you know, one of Australia's greatest footballers. It's fantastic to see him. Now, I hope your shots all go wide towards the corner flag. It's one of those things where people boo, but they kind of boo out of a bit of respect, I think. For a lot of people, it will be that. For some, it'll just be they don't like him because they might be fans of Liverpool and don't like him because it's Everton days, something like that. But I do think there'll be... There'll probably be a bit of boost towards him, but I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. Well, that's one thing I, I was saying on the Daily Football Show a couple of months ago when he was here for the FFA Cup. It was a very surreal feeling in the crowd where everyone was just sort of sitting there going, oh, we kind of like Cahill, but we don't want him to win. Yeah, it's hard, hard to work out how you respond to it. I think it'll be the same on Friday. See, I wouldn't be surprised. I remember when Alessandro Del Piero came and he scored two pretty phenomenal goals. I remember one where he left Michael Theo sitting on his backside and... You just went straight past him. So I wonder if it'll be that same sort of, okay, you all are just that good. Well, word to the wise, to the den, and it's funny you bring that up about that Del Piero goal, was that they're actually chanting, what a waste of money, before he put that <laughs> rocket that rocket past Theo. So, oh, oh look, I, I'd hope that they <laughs> don't try and chant that as well at Tim Cahill. Otherwise, it may be another 40-yard you know, bomb 
I again, hope they do. He doesn't he's score look 40 yard bombs often, though. So I don't think he'll replicate the Del Piero thing. But Yeah, yeah that was uh, Brett Holman's job for the Socceroos. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll put the 40 yard bomb in from this week. Well, just as a quick uh, sort of, I suppose, guessing game, what are you expecting for crowd numbers? Uh, 18. Yeah, I'm going to say probably, uh, I reckon about 19 and a half. I think 20 might be, if we got, we've got to remember Friday nights as well, even though it's a very, it'll be a very different sort of demographic of a crowd from Sunday. Um, I still think Friday night is a very, very difficult sort of time slot for the Raw. I If this game had been Saturday night, I'd say, you know, hands down, you'll get 22, 23,000. But Friday night, you know, in Brisbane is always, you know, a hard sell, even with, you know, the biggest, you know, selling marketing tool that the FFA have got at the moment. That's Tim Cahill. The kickoff time doesn't really work for people. I mean, 6.50, if it was 7.30 kickoff, it'd be a much better option. Mm, thank you, Daylight Savings. Yes. But that, yeah, that's one thing that I'm thinking, because I finish work at five o'clock, so I've got to go home, get changed, make myself look presentable for the fan cams after the game, so I don't look like a hobo again, <laughs> like I did last year. <laughs> And then, you know, get out to the stadium. And that's a pretty big rush job for me. And that's when I'm finishing 10 minutes from home. Imagine the people who've got to, you know, maybe catch a train, get back, and then well, get for to me, the stadium. For me, it's a 45-minute drive to, to Suncorp. That's if I drive and, you know, park, you know, park, you know near the ground. So Legally, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and because this is a free-to-air game as well on the Friday night, you don't, if you don't have Foxer, you can still watch the game. You don't, so some people in the opposition might not, make that effort to go into the ground if they're not getting home late and all the rest of it. What wouldn't surprise me is if you see maybe a few more football fans in some of the local establishments, we won't specify any which one, but uh, some of the local establishments around the area saying, oh, you know, it's Tim Cahill coming to Brisbane, I might actually watch that game. Well, he, I'm hoping that, you know, being a lifelong Toffee supporter, that, you know, maybe there there'll go. be a heap of Everton jerseys in the, in the uh, crowd. And while, while I'm not going to profess to wear one, because I, that's against my sort of code, but I reckon there will be, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a to- now, Tottenham, oh, Tottenham, the Toffees, you know, Everton and um, and Tim Cahill are synonymous. You know, that's, you know, that's, I guess, you know, these sort of games are what attracts the casual fans, the, you know, the so-called Euro snobs as well. So, And it is Cahill's only game in, in Brisbane against the Raw for the season, unless they meet in a final. But, Saves me having to look that up. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, so let's look at this from a Brisbane Raw perspective. Let's say Cahill starts. How do you mark him? Do you double team him with North and maybe Christensen? I mean, we've, they've played Borussia, they've played Keogh. I think they'll be fine. You just the great question is like, how do you mark Melbourne City? Not just Cahill because they've got so many threats all over the field. Yeah, that was actually what I was. That's gonna... the problem. Then, if you focus on Cahill and Fornaroli, Brandan will get you off. Kamau will get you off. Or even Bratton Luke... or somebody yeah. else will get you. Even yeah, former Brisbane boy Luke Bratton, who's done a pretty fantastic job pulling strengths yeah, from the has. base of midfield which is something we've seen him do in person yeah it's interesting actually i thought you know if we were talking about Socceroos selections before um that's like someone i thought was a little bit unlucky was luke bratton and i just wonder whether he'll you know take any little frustration he had you know on you know his, his former club on friday night the reception he gets could be interesting as well because this is his first game back i mean there was the situation of him leaving in difficult times he, I believe he said something along the lines of he wouldn't play for another A-League club and here he is. So yeah. Hopefully yeah. they don't boo him. I'm sick of booing former players. Although some we people, just respect them for what they did for the club and some move pe- on. Some people earned it, like, say, yeah. Mitch Nichols or Barisha, but Yes, but I hope... I, would, I don't want to see... No, I feel like Bratton's one of those guys you kind of look at and say, mm. you know, he's, he's, he's earned the right not to be booed. Although in the case of Cahill, I say give him hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how you shut down Melbourne City is going to be very interesting. Well, I feel like it's actually going to be an all-in 
effort. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jamie McLaren really trying to close down Bratton when he gets the ball. One thing that really stood out to me when City played in the FFA Cup against... Brisbane, no, not Brisbane Strikers. Yeah, it was a stri- up here. It was Strikers, yeah. It was the Strikers? Yeah, it was Strikers. Oh, it shows how long ago it was. Mad Cow's <laughs> getting to me. Yeah, I remember their defensive group looked very vulnerable. I remember the Strikers had so many chances to try and get through on goal. And I feel like if McLaren gets one, he is going to have to bury them. And City, the way they play with Neil Kukenny playing out from the back, there is an opportunity to put pressure on him. Yeah, but, but he will fall a, over. He will fall over, but he's not a trained centre-back. So you can probably put pressure on him. Yeah, I, th- I think if, if one area where City at the moment are vulnerable is that is that defence. You know, they've sort of switched around, switched around a couple of times. I think Michael Jakobsen will be back. Uh, from he was he was another one that was rested um, on Friday night. And um, yeah, like I said, but again, uh, who who starts? Will it be Malik? Will it be Chapman? Um, uh, it's yeah. Like I said I think if there's any one area where I think the Raw can really take them, it will be you know in the attack. You know, hit him, hit him quick, hit him hard. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I'm I'll sort of reflect when it comes to prediction time. But I actually think this might be a few goals in this one. And we'll probably get to it shortly about selections for the Raw. But if they are, if the city are going to play that way, they've the Raw have got a plethora of options they can use in a quick attacking players to get in behind. As well, so it could be a good matchup for the Roar in that respect. Well, let's go on to the selections. With those quick attacking players, would you be surprised to see Thomas Broich start from the bench? I would not be surprised. I mean, it's two games in five days. I do think either Holman or Broich will start on the bench this week. I'm not sure who's going to come in. It could be Petrados, it could be Borello. I doubt it'll be Irana, but it'll probably be one of the three coming in to just freshen things up a little bit because I think you've two games in five days, you might need to do that. I guess that's the disadvantage of you know, of recording on a Wednesday is that we don't know <laughs> yes. exactly what because it seems to be a bit ridiculous almost the Petra Petra situation where it seems to be he's a week away but that was he was a week away three weeks ago so and his his inclusion will you now really sort of change and really sort of change the way that you know the rule will set up and as well we we talk about you know if they can get in behind uh, the city defence it could be you know, you know a winning sort of move almost well it's been like that in the past with the rule as well I think Luke Devere was two weeks away for the whole of last year apparently <laughs> <laughs> that's it alright so let's get on to the prediction actually just before we that do that quick public service announcement. You are not allowed on the pitch at Suncorp Stadium this Friday oh, night. It was so fun though. So please nobody run on this time. <laughs> it was fun. It was good, like, giving everyone the chance to get on the pitch and hopefully they do it again at some point do, this season. Do we know what the punishment that the lag got for um, the Melbourne Victory incursion? <laughs> I'm not sure, but it is a good tradition. Central Coast Mariners membership. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you can't say that. Well, I just did, so... <laughs> I also am not planning to go to Gosford anytime soon, and if I do, I'm very sorry. They're going to fire that cannon at you, you keep that up. <laughs> I'd rather get the sauce bottle, personally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so predictions for uh, this Friday night. Adam, we'll start with you. I'm going a 3-3 draw. I'll did say... I say that last week? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I did. I'll say a one-all draw, a little more circumspect. 3-1 Brisbane. Okay. Ever the optimist. Although... As I said, 3-3 draw last week, so maybe focus let's, on those Let's hope two someone's picks. recording these uh, yep. predictions. Yeah, let's hope this uh, recording the final segment works again. Oh, yes, we're not going through that again. No, no more technical gremlins from the idiot pushing the buttons. <laughs> that is me before anyone thinks I'm th- throwing some poor producer under the bus. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to be it for this episode. It actually turned into quite a long one, it but it's been a lot of fun. Time flies when you're having fun. Yep. So we'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll see some of you guys... Friday night for the fan cams at the Wally Lewis statue. Come down and speak to us. It'll be good. Yeah, we'll be there with the camera and we will see you guys next week. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week anyway. Thanks for listening and see you later. 
Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.